Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Good morning, Fred. Good morning. It's our first podcast for July after a little summer break. Hope it was really great. Now, into some new developments. Ford and Volkswagen have announced their plan to broaden their alliance with VW investing more than $2.5 billion dollars in Argo AI, the autonomous vehicle startup headquartered in Pittsburgh that Ford invested in to the tune of a billion dollars a couple of years ago. As The Verge points out, this is just one of a series of alliances, acquisitions, and partnerships that we've been seeing of late. Uh, yes, we have been seeing these partnerships. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we had uh, Waymo announcing uh, a partnership. And of course, uh, GM Cruise has been involved in partnerships. And uh, and even uh, Yandex and Hyundai um, uh, some months back. And, and of course, Aurora, Aurora has also signed up with, with a few car makers. So it seems as if uh, car makers are signing up uh, with the folks that are trying to or that have been trying to do uh, driverless uh, to maybe uh, bring driverless uh, systems to the market. I think it, um, it we need to sit back a little bit and make sure that that's really what they're doing uh, is that they're really focusing on driverless as opposed to self-driving. Uh, to me, as we've discussed many times, these are very different technologies. Uh, the self-driving uh, is uh, vehicle is something that tends to be that's owned by individuals. Uh, uh, basically, it's uh, the current automobile as it's been for the last uh, hundred plus years, except uh, some of the time it drives itself. Uh, I like to say it's a Tesla. Uh, maybe a little bit better than a Tesla, but it's a Tesla with autopilot. Um, that's on the one hand. On the other hand, uh, the driverless piece, which is the one that is to provide mobility uh, for people who uh, don't want to drive or can't drive for whatever reason, or uh, and 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 provide mobility as a service. Uh, that's the technology in which there is no driver. Um, let's call it an elevator. Uh, we're all familiar with elevators. Well, think of them operating horizontally on our streets. Um, that's what that is. And uh, maybe these partnerships are focused on elevators rather than Teslas. Uh, I'm not sure. I sure hope uh, myself that they are uh, uh, focused on elevators or providing horizontal mobility as a service uh, to everyone uh, because that's the real technological uh, evolution and improvement. Uh, But maybe they aren't. Uh, The current market is really for Teslas. And as I think um, it points out in the... In the um, in the newsletter uh, farther down, um, uh, Tesla had a pretty darn good quarter delivering vehicles, and it's not that they're delivering ele- ele- uh, electric vehicles; they're delivering vehicles with autopilot, and um, they're basically delivering self-driving vehicles. And I'll contend that that is um, a major, if not the major. Uh, motivating force uh, behind people uh, buying Teslas. I may be uh, reaching a little bit with that statement, but um, I'll make it anyway. Interesting. So these these partnerships that we're seeing now, 
Is that a sign of progress or are companies kind of hedging their bets? I think everybody's hedging their bets on the on the entities that were focused or and may still be focused on driverless. It's kind of hedging their bets. They were going to get to be able to sell their technology to the self-driving world. Uh, and so, you know, for Ford to compete with Tesla, uh, they need uh, they need the 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 technology for Margot uh, for GM to compete with Tesla, although maybe uh, uh, their system in the CT, Cadillac CT6 comes close, uh, they need to have crews. Um, Waymo, I guess, uh, to finally get a dollar of revenue, uh, maybe they need to uh, uh, to be uh, tied in uh, with, uh, with an OEM. Uh, so yes, um, maybe everybody's hedging their bets. Moving on, in Washington State, uh, Pierce Transit is taking part in a national study on pedestrian, rider, and bus operator safety, looking at a pedestrian avoidance safety system, automated technology, that will be installed in some buses. Others involved include Virginia Tech, DCS Technologies, Mobileye, Munich Re, some familiar names to us, and the principal research investigator, also a familiar name, is Jerome Luton, formerly with New Jersey Transit. Yes, and that's a very good project. And in our discussion of these uh, systems to deliver uh, value uh, and quality of life improvements, uh, this is a very good project. Uh, this uh, basically is to make uh, buses safer and 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 uh, make it make them easier to drive. Uh, so that uh, as happened a couple of years ago, uh, you know, a couple of bus drivers in New York City were arrested because. Uh, they hit a pedestrian. Uh, my goodness, uh, those folks need some help. So this is a very good use of the technology, and it's nice to see some of the uh, people that we've been working with and talking with uh, over these years uh, participating in actually uh, an implementation project to finally deliver some of this technology from uh, uh, from the Sunday supplements and, and from the bookshelves uh, to the benefit of, uh, of people who need to get from A to B. So this is a, a very good project. Uh, not, uh, in, in, not a very exciting project, but uh, it's a great start. Yeah, important. Uh, all you have to do is uh, just imagine how, how challenging the visibility issues are if you're behind the wheel of a bus, right? Absolutely. You know, I mean, you have to watch along all your sides and you're taking tight turns or you're operating in places where there are numerous pedestrians. It's not an easy job and and those folks need help. And uh, that's really an excellent use for all this technology that is being developed is to provide help and, and, and improve their workplace environment. And OSHA should be out there championing what is being done to improve workplace environments uh, for drivers of uh, public transportation, as well as uh, commercial drivers of, of trucks. And having uh, Jerome Luton involved here, certainly as, uh, as the principal research investigator, that, that really shows that this is a serious thing that they're... Absolutely. And we're hoping that maybe he'll be able to join us uh, in the not-too-distant future for one of the podcasts. Alan, in the latest Smart Driving Car newsletter, you have some comments about a Reuters report on the growing number of startups in Britain. 
trying to bring driverless vehicles onto the streets of London. Lots of challenges, and, and you seem to wonder if, that, if that's the right location. Well, I mean, is that really where we want to start is is on uh, London where, uh, you know, normal cars that are driven by humans have enormous trouble, um, you know, especially on the driverless end. The driverless is supposed to be providing mobility uh, for, uh, as a service and, and the, the principal um, market and the principal benefactors from that mobility as a service are folks that that don't have access to good mass transit, that don't have access to an automobile. So there must be other cities or communities in Europe where uh, where there's a much uh, a stronger and and deserving uh, customer base uh, to really start delivering uh, the value of this technology as opposed to it being, oh my goodness, a bunch of techno jerks out there trying to say, oh, I got my car to drive down the streets of London. Well, there's really no demand for that service there. Um, and, and in fact, uh, why make your jobs infinitely harder? Uh, so um, uh, I sort of disagree with, with the focus. We are at the very beginning of this technological uh, evolution, revolution. And what we should be doing, doing is looking for places where it's easy rather than hard to do this and where there, in fact, is a market for this uh, from people that, that uh, where it would imp- substantially improve their quality of life as opposed to giving somebody now just another alternative. They already have five alternatives. Hey, why not throw a sixth one out there um, and that is uh, probably uh, not even better than the, the first five that they have. So I, I think it's it's uh, it's looking at um, to try to put a, a, a um, uh, round peg in a square hole. Uh, one has to find uh, the round hole for this round peg. Our friends at Via, the, r- the ride-sharing company, are continuing to expand, uh, partnering with BusBot for an autonomous uh, bus trial in New South Wales, Australia. Their Via is kind of all over the place now. Yeah, VIA is going worldwide, and they're focused, I think, uh, with an excellent focus. They're focused on ride-sharing, because in the end, if we really want to uh, solve the problems here, we not only have to be able to provide mobility as a service without uh, uh, the cost, uh, the extra extraordinarily high labor cost that's associated with uh, providing a living wage uh, to the driver when there are very few people in the vehicle, but also then doing that uh, uh, with uh, shared rides so that in fact uh, one addresses the environmental, the energy uh, aspects of, of mobility. And so um, kudos to uh, to VIA and uh, for trying to do it in yet another corner of the world. Uh, Sort of related, from Wired is an interesting article about uh, transit agencies turning to Uber for the last mile, providing, uh, in some cases, discounts to riders. 
Yes, and they probably should. <laughs> Although, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, again, that's that's going to take some amount of cash uh, out of, from an industry that is, uh, hope, as I like to say, hopelessly bankrupt. <clears throat> so uh, I'm not so sure uh, how um, economically um, um, uh, uh, capable they are to be able to provide um, any substantial amount of subsidy uh, to um, to uh, Uber or Lyft uh, to provide that uh, that accessibility, but it's nice that they're trying. Uh, again, the reason for developing the driverless technology is to be able to substantially reduce the cost of providing mobility as a service. And uh, that's the, the driving uh, sociological and, uh, and economic and, and business proposition that is there. Um, when you have, uh, when you're then offering uh, to set, use chauffeured services and subsidized uh, chauffeured services uh, to come and, and use your transit system, um, if that chauffeured service um, has to really pay for a driver, um, you probably don't have enough money to do it. So eventually this works when these vehicles are, are driverless. <laughs> That's what I think, and doesn't work when they're not. And if this is a test and to try it out, sure, of course. <clears throat> I don't think you need the test to realize that it, it would be a great thing, but it's not sustainable, and it's it and it doesn't um, it can't grow to scale. So you can do it for a few, but you can't afford to do it for a lot. And uh, to think that you can, I don't know. Um, uh, I guess I must have been sleeping through the lecture when um, <laughs> when that theory came across the blackboard. Alan, the the death of Ross Perot drew your attention in the newsletter, specifically his independent campaign for president back in '92, when he proposed raising the tax on gasoline to fifty cents a gallon. Yep. I mean, you know, at the time, I think I was saying a dollar, uh, but yet even 50 cents uh, in 1992, um, it's a shame that, um, that, that we, we, we can't raise the, the, the federal gas tax now. I mean, it's, it's a crying shame. It is so cheap. It is so inexpensive. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and basically, uh, Wall Street or the, uh, um, the oil cartel can raise prices anytime they want, and 50 cent fluctuations are all over the darn place, uh, even more. Uh, so it's, um, I take my hat off to Ross Perot to even mention it. Of course, as everybody said, if you mention it, there's no way you'll get get elected and maybe that's the reason why he didn't get elected although there may have been a lot of other reasons too but but anyway i i just um, wanted to point that, that aspect of of his campaign in which uh, he had in some sense the audacity uh, to even mention a 50 cents additional uh, raise in the in the federal gas tax uh, when i think it was a nickel so um, um anyway Hats off to Ross Perot and rest in peace. And you, you, you obviously wonder what could be done or what could have been done with the with the transportation infrastructure 
with with that kind of money well not only the transportation infrastructure i mean if if you even today put a put a dollar gasoline tax on it you you now have funds to to solve a lot of societal problems and and, and social problems and in fact uh, as we know uh, uh the price of of gasoline is essentially totally inelastic and um and in some sense uh the people that can uh, uh, certainly afford it most um uh, can pay for it and with that with that as as then a, as a war chest uh, to then uh, do technology for example uh, bring on electric uh, uh, mobility and and all the other sorts of things uh, to provide uh, mobility for those who who can't afford it i mean it it would be trivial there there'd be so much money available to do that but anyway um i guess it's a political suicide and that's one <laughs> of the things that's not going to happen in Louisiana, lawmakers are writing some new rules for self-driving trucks, uh, setting up some safety standards, which you have some questions about. Well, I think it's it's fine uh, what they have set up for trucks and and basically just uh, providing permission. But I'm, but um, I unfortunately I wasn't able to find the actual uh, legislation. And hopefully, I by the next smart driving cars that I put on, I'll be able to find it to look at the details. But um, it seems as if uh, what they're talking about is uh, if the driverless vehicle uh, follows uh, uh, the current traffic laws um, and uh, satisfy the safety standards, federal safety standards uh, for uh, for uh, crash uh, mitigation, uh, then, it, then it's great. Although, as I point out, uh, some of those federal safety standards for crash mitigation have to do for to protect uh, are associated with protecting the driver. And if there's no driver on board, uh, then it, uh, why do you need those things? Uh, but um, you know, let's forget that little detail. Um, this seems to basically say to uh, at least for commercial vehicles that the state of Louisiana has a big welcome sign out there and say, uh, "Come on and uh, on our and use our roads." And on the subject of trucks, <laughs> this is from the simply clickbait section of the newsletter. There's a headline from Electric that says, Tesla semi-prototype spotted on highway, maybe without a driver. Yeah, I think Fred Lambert, you know, in, in writing that article sort of stuck, stuck the maybe uh, without a driver uh, as clickbait on there. Uh, look, California has very strict regulations associated with driverless uh, vehicles. And, um, and uh, the the California DMV has set those those regulations, and is, to my knowledge, only um, um, Waymo uh, has the the authority uh, through those regulations to provide uh, driverless um, uh, uh, testing in California or to do driverless testing in California. Uh, my knowledge, uh, Tesla hasn't hasn't even applied, let alone obtain uh, permission and uh, you know while they seem like um, uh, they're basically uh, a loose cannon on the deck and will just uh, do anything and uh, and uh, forget regulation i i just don't believe that the, that they're um, uh, that irresponsible and uh, and so um, uh, 
th that truck had a driver on board um i'm essentially certain uh, there's no way tesla is going to be that irresponsible and we should point out uh, again you mentioned it before tesla had a really impressive uh, second quarter beating expectations delivering more than 95,000 vehicles I think that's a very important um, hurdle for them because, of course, the, the comment has been that the reason they delivered so many vehicles in, I guess, the, the um, uh, January to March quarter uh, was because uh, was because there is pent up demand uh, in um, in in Europe uh, because they had just launched uh, the the distribution of Model Threes in Europe. Uh, but then, uh, but that that all that demand had been um, absorbed, and uh, there wasn't some uh, ongoing demand. To me, this suggests that there is ongoing demand for these vehicles. Um, I sort of, in, a little bit tongue in cheek, suggest that uh, one of the big drivers that makes them so attractive is is autopilot. It's not just that they're electric; it's that it's that they they have autopilot. And that, in fact, um, uh, some other very, very good things about them uh, that, uh, that that have the over-the-air updates and so on, and uh, and they are um, uh, technologically current. So um, uh, that's to me, that's very good news for Tesla. And, and Elon Musk, uh, if I recall, likes to stir things up. There was another story, something like. Uh, He's raising the, the question of how much longer Tesla will be selling vehicles to to private owners as the robo taxi business comes uh, into fruition, etc. So he, he does stir things up all the time. He stirs things up, and he's right. I mean, if in fact autopilot becomes so good that it's driverless and it doesn't need the driver to get get uh, or. Uh, doesn't need, doesn't want the driver to be able to get from A to B, then in fact, uh, uh, these, as we've been saying, these vehicles aren't sold to individuals. They're, they're basically uh, acquired by fleets or, or uh, uh, Elon sets up his own fleet business uh, worldwide and, and uh, uses uh, the, the goose, uh, the vehicle, to lay all the golden eggs of uh, providing mobility to individuals and um, uh, becomes a mobility as a service company, which if you can take the the, not only the cost of the labor, but the, the burden and the overhead of having to manage all that labor to deliver mobility and you're delivering mobility as a service using an algorithm as opposed to trying to convince individuals to provide that service. My goodness, that is a, that is a very attractive internet business. That's as attractive as, as, as Amazon or, or even maybe Facebook and Google. Uh, so uh, that is an internet business. Uber with uh, with gig workers, Lyft with gig workers is not an internet business. Uh, Tesla's driverless mobility as a service, that is an internet business. And my goodness, um, a potentially enormously uh, profitable one. And we, we might add at the same time for people who might be thinking about buying a Tesla, gives them some incentive to do it sooner rather than later, I suppose. 
Well, I guess so, you know. <laughs> I mean, or maybe, I mean, it, it, one can almost uh, believe Elon when he says that if you buy a Tesla today uh, and we get all this software working, that maybe I'll buy it back from you for at least as much as w- what you paid for it. Why? Because uh, uh, all of a sudden I can put this thing to work to generate cash. And I can do it more effectively than you can by yourself. And uh, and I need a bunch of them quickly. So not only am I going to build them, but I'm going to buy back the ones that I had already built. Uh, it's not a crazy idea. Well, stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this edition. You can find us at SmartDrivingCar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, soundcloud and more you can get your smart speaker to play us you can find my tech reports at textonation.com i'm fred fishkin along with alan kornhauser thanks for listening